0: Hi and welcome to The Final Whistles, Premier League Weekly, presented by LifeNow. Noisy neighbours? More like lousy neighbours as Manchester City toy around with Manchester United. Once again, we ask, what now for the Red Devils?
1: Elsewhere, we examine how the appointments of Eddie Howe and Frank Lampard could be the doing or undoing of their respective clubs in the relegation battle. All this and more on The Final Whistles, Premier League Weekly, presented by LifeNow.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Raushan. And I'm Deepan. Uh, wow, Raushan. I, I started the year with uh, vim and vigor. Uh, you know, Ronaldo was back at Manchester United. We even uh, had a
1: special podcast on a Saturday, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a bloody distant memory at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I was excited. Um, you know, I, I didn't expect United to win the title, but I was still looking forward to the season. Um, Varane was in, in United. Uh, a lot of things to look forward to. Uh, not just with United. I mean, I looked forward to the rest of the, the football season because I thought we were going to have like a almost a three or four horse title race, in fact. But, you know, since then, everything has gone downhill. Uh, Ole Gunnar Shoska is no longer uh, United's manager. I miss got, him, man. Yeah, we have got Ralf <laughs> Rangnick. We are far away from the title race. Doesn't look like we're going to end in fourth spot. I can't wait for the season to end, bro. I, that That's really how I feel at the moment. And And, and you know, Unfortunately, I look forward to uh, doing this with you each week. But as each result goes, (laughs) I look forward to it less and less each game week. I don't know whether you feel the same.
1: No, I feel absolutely the same. Imagine being a United fan and sucking at FPL. That's my story of the season. i said this before. We started this podcast with, to your point, so much whim and vigor. And it's gone wayside absolutely, right? And yeah, I made this point to you. Yesterday, you mentioned, I don't feel pain. I feel numb. And I asked you, how many times have you had to say this in the post-Fergie era? And I think that sums it up because this team that we bloody love puts us through this, not even roller coaster anymore. It's just downhill at the moment. So it's not, there's no ups in recent times. At least there could be in the Champions League, maybe. I mean, I'm talking about the result against Atletico rather than winning the competition in case listeners thinking this will is talking out of his, <laughs> you know what. But yeah, I, I just feel it's, it cannot be said better, but the season needs to end and the season needs to end now. And I just hope we are not going to make it for the Champions League qualification. So perhaps just drop out of Europe altogether. And uh, Ramnik has come out and said it's just development for the rest of the season, right? Which doesn't bode well. And it's not just the performances. It's around the club, the leaks that come out after every single match. Day, It's it's worrying, worrying times. But, but hey, let me try and make you feel better with the trivia question, okay? So... Hopefully, you can come up with this. Arsenal have three different players, age 21 or younger, with five-plus goals in the Premier League. This term. Saka, Martinelli and Smith-Rowe obviously had a brilliant weekend. They're just, this is just the fourth time this has occurred in a single season. Who are the three other teams who have achieved this feat?
0: Uh, Manchester United. Okay. Liverpool? Nope. Wow. Uh, I'm Liverpool go. don't do kids. <laughs> uh, I would say Chelsea?
1: Yeah, I'm impressed.
0: So you please, want to give me which year? Let me get the <laughs> let me get the last club first. So there's one more club, okay. right? Yeah. Is this a, a a big club? Yes. Spurs? No. Okay, I'll come back to you with the with the third club. Okay,
1: okay. Okay, yeah, but,
0: but for now, let's review game week 28, starting with the live now game of the week, uh, which was Burnley zero, Chelsea four. Uh and I think the one place to start. With uh, reviewing this game, is of course the return of Reese James uh, to the starting 11, and what a return that was as well uh, a goal and an assist, and of course, on an FPL perspective, three bonus points as well. It's almost as if we have been talking about this all this while well, that without Reese James, Chelsea are a different prospect. Isn't that the case?
1: Yeah, entirely. I think he brings so much to steal a quote from you, Vim and Vigor, to that uh, right back position, and he adds so much. Going forward because I think Chelsea defensively they're fairly solid. Uh, they have two excellent center backs, maybe three if you count Christensen. But essentially, that defensive solidity gives him the base to bomb forward, which we've seen. And he's, I think I heard the commentator say he's on to six goals this season or something for a fullback. That's a very decent return. That's that's he epitomizes a modern fullback that Trent Alexander Arnold has carved at that position, and and they are worse people to follow, right? And I think rhys James. It's an excellent asset to have going into the tail end of the season because I think Chelsea will be looking for a good cup run as well as solidifying that third position, which in all by all accounts, they seem to have wrapped up. And not just that, we talked about it earlier. They, are they going to struggle without their, their out-and-out strikers in Werner and Lukaku? Doesn't seem to be a problem if Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic are getting you the goals, which, which, which United tried to play midfielders in false nine. Didn't really work out, but Chelsea are doing it to a T. So, fair play to them, I think. Chelsea, tale of two halves because first half was dire to watch, let's be honest here. But the second half, Chelsea just got the job done quite efficiently, I would say. And Burnley, it was always going to be a stretch. I think you predicted a surprise uh, Burnley result last week. Not calling you out on your prediction or anything. But uh, yeah, I, I I just felt Chelsea had uh, too much for for Burnley and well-deserved for the victory.
0: You know, I, I think uh, the mark of a, of a truly good manager is when uh, you're able to put out a lineup, uh, devoid of your big-name striker, and and still you know produce the performance like that. And, and to me, I think this Chelsea side, uh, it's not a hot take, but they look better without Lukaku there. Uh, and, and once again, this was the case. He stayed on the bench throughout this game. And still Kai Havertz and, like you said, Christian Pulisic came up with the goods. And, and you know, I think this has to be the, the go-to formation and, and starting lineup for them till the end of the season. Because... I think no point persisting in trying to get Lukaku to work in this setup when he's clearly not fitting into your lineup. You know, I mean, I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago about that record number of touches, um, that he had for Chelsea while while playing for them. And to me, I think Chelsea, when they're when when they at the full strength, I think they are one of the better sides in the division. And I think yes, the Premier League title is no longer within their reach, but they could still do something in the Champions League again. And I think a performance in this game, this four 0 win against Burnley, who haven't been uh. Out of sorts, I would say, uh, over the last few game weeks, because they, they drove Liverpool quite close to result. Uh they got a result against Spurs as well. And for Chelsea to get a 4-0 win, I think says a lot about the team at the moment. Uh, and I think they have what it takes to finish the season strongly and solidify the, the third spot, which uh, you know, some have called into question over the last few game weeks. Um, in terms of an FPL perspective, uh Raushan, I just wanted to ask, what what, what do you think? Because you know, Rhys James at the end of the day, he comes in at a at a Hefty price for a defender. Uh, and then everyone already has Trent Alexander-Arnold. If given a choice between these two, who is the, who has the highest ceiling?
1: I would think Trent, unfortunately. I, I, I do think Trent slightly edges it based on historical evidence, right? Trent is one of the highest scoring uh, fullbacks in the game. I take your point about the price point and that's why Trent comes at that price because he comes with the territory of guaranteed goals return. But Rhys James offers you, uh, if you want to rejig, I don't think Rhys James is a bad fallback option on, but ideally, you can fit both of those players into your team. I think a lot of people will agree with me that they are slowly jumping off the Lukadin bandwagon. So, perhaps that might free up some funds for Rhys James, perhaps. And I'm completely in agreement with you that Chelsea looks set to finish the season strongly. So, it'd be a good time to bring in a Chelsea asset. And there might be rotation that comes into play uh, with the attacking lineup because they have options because I think Tuchel... You you touched on it there. He he regardless of the players that play, they play in a certain way. So he's confident of rotating that uh front line. But in the back, Reese James will be, I I think, considering he missed the hefty part of the season, uh, a shoe-in to start.
0: So I I would plump for him if I if I had a choice. All right, let's move on now from that result to another result that I'm sure we don't like talking about, but we have to. Uh, and that's, of course, Manchester City for Manchester United 1. Look, I, I think for me, at the end of the day, when we talk about um, Manchester United, I think one thing that we have to mention is the fact of you can, you can lose a game. I mean, you can lose a game to a team like Manchester City. We know that they're they are both classed apart in terms of the football that they played this season or even the last few seasons. Uh, even when we won Manchester City in the last couple of seasons under Ole Gunnar Shoska, we weren't quite the, the, the same team as City, but we tried. We, we went out, we tried. We, we had players who gave the all for 90 minutes. But this was far from that. And to me, it's... And I think Roy King touched on it. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing as a Manchester United fan to see the kind of performance that these boys or these players put out uh, against a City rival. And to me, it's unacceptable. And at the end of the day, I think that the biggest problem is that I think most... Like, and we have mentioned this a few times on the show most people point their finger at Harry Maguire and I saw him trending again on Twitter after this. I'm sorry. I, I'm, not saying, I'm not defending Maguire at all. He is a part of the problem. But there are 10 other players there who are in the same bad form as he is. You know, yes, you can see that Maguire sticks out because he, he's got the captain's armband or whatnot. But to me, it's not a problem of Maguire anymore. I mean, you look at the defence. one Bisaka is culpable. Lindelof is culpable. Thales is culpable. Bruno Fernandes, he's a shadow of a player that he was when he first came to United. So, to me, the, the biggest worry and the reason why I say I don't look forward to United games anymore is because it's not that it's one or two issues. There are several issues in the squad at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure if you agree with me. No. How,
1: how am I not to agree based on what we watch? What you say there is absolutely true. As, as fans, we didn't expect it. We said it on the podcast last week as well. We didn't expect a result against Man City. But as players, you don't want the players to believe that. You want the players to go out, give their best, try their best. Credit where it's due, I thought the first half, not just with regards to the scoreline, but United were in it. They were they were thoughtful in possession. They tried to play a certain way and they tried to create something to the best of their abilities, but absolutely down tools in the second half. And that's most worrying for me. I take your point that Harry Maguire... Is unfortunately the scapegoat in it all. There's 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 a plethora of problems, not just not just out of form. If out of form, you can pray they fall back into form, uh, in due time. But the problem is there seems to be a rot, an attitude rot. And I touched on it earlier. The leaks that come out after every game, Ronaldo missing, you can't win. You know, Ronaldo plays. They say he's a problem. He doesn't play, and then apparently he's gone off to Portugal. There's question marks over his commitment to the team. I I can understand that in face value, but. There's just a circus around Manchester United at the moment. Um, I don't think I know results suggest otherwise, but I think Ralph Ratnick doesn't have this dressing room. I think, um, I think with all due respect, Ralph Rutnick, probably great manager, um, comes with great pedigree, but I feel he's out of touch with with uh in terms of competing with the likes of Guardiola, the likes of Tuchel, the likes of Klopp, he's an elder statesman in yes, that rank.
0: Russia, but I, I think in terms of, of that, what what you touch on. I think it's more to do with the fact that these players know that he's not going to be their manager at the end of the season right. or rather right. next season. I think that in itself has created a huge problem for United because as players, you, you want to have a long-term structure right there. And you know that you can impress this guy, this German guy in, 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 over the course of the games, but he's not going to guarantee you game time next season because there's going to be a new guy coming in. And I think that is the issue. I mean, as as fans, we would love to sit here and say, oh, regardless of who the manager is, the player should give his all. But unfortunately, we we don't see it from a player's perspective. As much as we love for them to think of the club, these are men who are definitely going to be selfish in their own ways. They take care of their own careers. They take care of their own pay packets. They take care of their own future aspirations, you would say. And I think that is the issue. Not many players there... Think of United first before themselves.
1: Yeah, and I think United also have set uh, unhealthy precedents where managers have come and gone, uh, been sacked through the job, and player power has has reigned right. So over over time, this creates a sort of mentality amongst the players that is barren, that is evident to see, and and I think that's a lot has to be addressed. Actually, a fan tweeted. Uh, me and asked if we did a Geylang International and got rid of the whole squad and keep three players, who would I keep for next season? Because honestly, based on the names you ran through, based on the state of affairs, I wouldn't mind a complete overhaul. It's not going to happen because for one, the Premier League does not op- operate like the Singapore Premier League. But if we could, I struggled to name three players who we we'll keep. Honestly, Sancho is the only name that comes to mind. I mean, I'm putting aside Ilanga because he's a youth product and is likely to stay. But honestly, I would just keep Sancho, I think Bruno, yes, I agree with you. Again, sideshow, Bob, plenty of hands in the air, plenty of dissing your teammates. But Bruno's Bruno. I will keep Bruno. But I struggle to name a third, you know. I I I eventually plump for Varane because of the uh, pedigree he comes with. But again, I, I need to make this point about Raphael Varane. I think he's a world-class defender, a Rolls-Royce of a defender. But again, I think United have been... Mucked about in the transfer. It's a bit like Schweinsteiger. Maybe not so bad, but we got Schweinsteiger from Bayern after his best days were gone. And <clears throat> that had a knock-on effect on the rest of the team, right? Schweinsteiger arrived with much fanfare. They never lived up to the billing, and then eventually left on the damn script. Same thing with Iran. Why would Real Madrid let their best centre-back go? In the same season, they let Ramos go, by the way, for no issue. They've replaced him superbly because Real Madrid are flying in La Liga. And United here have Rafael Varane who can't string five games together because of injury woes. I mean, clubs don't let quality defenders, quality players go just like that. To a rival, let alone. So the fact that we got Varane always, for me, I was I love Varane as a player. Don't get me wrong. I think he provides great stability. But again, United are being marked about in the transfer window time and time and time again. That is going to stop. I'm not saying other clubs don't have failed transfer windows. I'm not coming out here and saying United are the only club who have failed transfers. Various other clubs have failed transfers as well. But I only care about Manchester United and it's more apparent than ever because Manchester United has spent $1 billion since Alex Ferguson left. And when you look at the squad, where? <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so
0: I, I completely yeah, agree difficult. with you. And to, to answer your question about you know, the players that I would keep, you know, I think it's like you mentioned, it's easy to mention the players you want out of, of the club. And, and, and like I say, even starting out from the defence, I think players like uh, Juan Bisaka, Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof, are, are they really the kind of players you need at the moment to push you forward? No, because, because at the end of the day, you know, I, I've defended the likes of uh, Lindelof and Maguire before, but you, you, there has to come a point where you realise you know, enough is enough, because it's not like they have underperformed in one or two matches. It's been a series of matches over the last two seasons uh, that they have underperformed. To me, to me I, I don't see any harm in doing an Arsenal for, for the next two seasons. Which yeah. means you you try to push out these underperforming players, even if you are lo- losing lots of money, and you give the likes of James Garner, who's on loan, doing terrific, terrific at uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, Brendan Williams, who's got a, a tremendous season at Norwich City, Tahit Song, Tedden Mengi. Yeah. Uh, these these are the players who I think deserve a chance. Hannibal Marshbury, who's been in the in the squad for for a while now, and actually to me, because I watch a lot of the, the reserves and the academy games, as you know. There are a number of players there who I wouldn't mind seeing in action to, I, until the end of the season this year because at least it's something new. You know and, I'm and
1: I think, and I think, I speak for the millions of United fans when I say, if United committed to that and actually showed that this is what we are going to do, bear with us, but we are culturally resetting the club. All the fans will buy into it, man. Honestly, all the fans will understand what needs to be done and. United fans, as much as all the other club fans will say we are delusional, living on past glory and all that, I do think United fans, true and true, just want to see their team perform. Not results, perform. Put in credible performances every week. I haven't felt a credible performance from this team in a long, long time, and I think that's a problem. And to your point about Arsenal, I do see a lot of Arsenal haters saying Ateta is out of his debt, Ateta shouldn't have let certain players go, so on and so forth. But the results speak for themselves. Have you seen the goals they scored over the weekend? that is trusting the philosophy, trusting the manager. And if someone like Ten Hag is going to come in and essentially we don't do that reset for him, then it's it's back to square one, honestly, because the cycle will repeat in 10 months or something. So, yeah, I think I, I, I'm I completely with you. I think it's time for a reset at that club. And this is why I think next season going out of Europe altogether will help. I think it's going to be take a big drop-off to not even qualify for the Europa League. I do think so. Unfortunately, that means we play on Thursday nights, but there needs to be a reset at some point.
0: Yeah, and you know, you, you talk about this um formation that uh Ralph Rangnick went with for the city game where he played uh Bruno and Pogba almost as a two-two up front. Wow, you look at the academy and I know that Ronaldo and Cavani weren't available and, and and Ronaldo I understand was a hip injury or whatnot. Uh but the weird part was that Cavani trained for three days uh and then said that he wasn't wasn't fit to play or I mean, this guy that we we, we all love. I mean, I, I love Cavani. I, I think he puts himself out about in the pitch when he plays. But for you to say that you're unavailable after training for three days, I'm not. I'm not quite certain about that. But and that, unavailable for a derby. Yeah, and and if you look at the academy players like Charlie McNeil and uh, Joe Hugel, who are fantastic strikers. Yes, I know that play being fantastic at the youth level doesn't always equate to doing well. Uh, in the in the senior team. But honestly, what do we have to lose at the moment? It's, exactly. not like, and it's, it's not like our senior players are performing, no? Precisely. And this is...
1: I read something that said Rangnick clearly has favourites in that team. And I think that's a big problem. Because Louis Van Hal would have... He did it with Rashford. He threw him on in the Europa League. And I know Rashford is in a spot of bother at the moment. But Rashford showed plenty of promise. Took the chance and did it. And to your point, what do we have to lose? At the moment, David De Gea... I think he starts on reputation, still probably the better keeper in the club, but give Henderson a run if you have nothing to lose. You know I mean? Ole was brave enough to do it. I mean, there were COVID issues and that's why Henderson got a break in the team. But Henderson stayed for a prolonged period in the team till he was eventually usurped by David De Gea. So, it's just top to bottom. <laughs> There's so much wrong. And let's let save, save some of this for, for the remaining podcast because United do have a couple of difficult fixtures coming up. So, it won't be the last time we're discussing United's troubles.
0: Yep, Uh, moving on now to two clubs uh, who are moving in very different directions under new managers. Uh, That's, of course, Eddie Howe at Newcastle United and Frank Lampard at Everton. Uh, You look at Newcastle's recent results and they have been nothing but fantastic. Uh, In the past weekend, they, of course, had a 2-1 win over Brighton. Uh, And if you look at their fixtures, they have been unbeaten for six matches, uh, which has included four wins in that run. Uh, they take on Southampton next, which we'll talk about a bit later on. But wow, what a job Eddie Howe has done. And actually, I mean, I was talking about how uh, Bruno Guimaraes will come and you know, really change it up for them. He hasn't even been able to get into the starting lineup because because uh, Newcastle have been on a good form and Eddie Howe has stuck to his guns and allowed this first 11 to go on and, and, and win games for him. And we're talking about the likes of Willock, who has come into his own in the last few games, and Joel Linton, who... Has been has been transformed into a midfielder and he's doing well. So all praises to Eddie Howe. I think he's done a fantastic job. Uh, would you say Newcastle are, are, are good to stay up?
1: Now, hundred percent. Newcastle. Not just the money factor here. I think they've turned things around. Turned things around very well. And they are they are week on week. They're up to fourteen now. Would you believe? And week on week they are they are growing in confidence, togetherness. And I I I have to give massive plaudits to Eddie Howe because. He had a reputation for being a good manager, developing a good team. Didn't have the best defensive acumen, I would say, this time at Bournemouth. But he's proven that the team can be a sum of their parts. And I touched on it during the transfer window. He's got his transfer spot on. Chris yeah, and, was, and,
0: and, and Roshan, sorry, you, you say they got a transfer spot on. But I'm just going to pay devil's advocate here. On paper, it didn't seem like it was fantastic signings. Given, exactly. give, given the fact that we knew they had money.
1: Uh, the word functional came to mind, right? He didn't go out and get his Hollywood signings. Guimaras is a bit of a, I guess, ticks the Hollywood bracket because of the clout he comes with. But they got players, been there, done that. They got Matt Target, they got Chris Wood, they got Kieran Trippier, who's unfortunately injured. They got Dan Bird. And Chris Wood hasn't scored a goal yet, by the way. But he leads that line and he leads that line well. A bit like, again, sorry for the Premier League reference, but Simei Zuzul. Uh, <laughs> you know I mean? He's yeah. constantly pressing. He does a lot more than just score goals. That brings... Great vigor to the team. He brings players like Fraser into the equation. He brings players like Joe Linton into the equation. Joe Willock, who I know you are not a fan of, has been he he hit the post before Fraser scored as well, right? So he looks bombing forward when he comes in from midfield. And John Joe Shelby, at times with the armband, does really well. I think Jamal Lascelles was a big problem for Newcastle. I think he unfortunately missed the game with COVID or injury, perhaps. And then that brought Dan Burn and Fabian Shah into the centre back pairing. And that pairing is working. So Again, winning is contagious. And I think once Newcastle got one or two under their belt, they are building. They are building, they are building, they are building. I, I've, heard, I've read good things at least about Kieran Chapier appearing on the True Jordy podcast, which is the Newcastle official podcast, which I want to check out at some point in time. And he said some good things about, about the harmony, about the, the squad mentality in that team. And I think Newcastle were always equipped to push along this way because of the money. But having the money and doing it is another thing, as we'll touch on. Everton later but I think Newcastle deserve massive credit for getting themselves out of trouble and I think they are poised to finish this season quite strongly and then hopefully do
0: as well if not better in the transfer window and come back stronger next year. Yep and while Newcastle are going up the table, uh, one side that has found it difficult to do so is Everton. Uh, right now if you look at the Premier League table, the bottom three teams are basically what most people thought the, the bottom of the table looked look like uh, at the end of the season, which is Burnley in 18th, uh, Watford in 19th, and Norwich in 20th position. Uh, Everton are sitting at 17th at the moment. And of course, they are on the back of a 5-0 loss to Spurs. Uh, I watched this game uh, and wow, Everton were out of sorts in every department. You know, watching this game, and, and to me, I was, I was quite confused as to why Lampard set his team up in this manner, given the fact that they were away to Spurs. They know Spurs can knock it out about, and they've got Hurricane and Son who can combine quite well. But they almost played it to Spurs' hands. And to me, I look around at Everton's team, and and look, you know, as much as I'm a United fan and I wanted to see new faces, I always understood why Vanderbilt perhaps didn't get a game. And that was to me because, and, and this was uh, what the, the the news was coming out at the time that you know Vanderbij doesn't have the physical nature or the athleticism to be part of that. Premier League 11 almost. And I think I saw that against Spurs, where he couldn't cope in midfield. He was sucked off in the 50th minute um, uh, for for Dele Alli, I believe. And you look around this uh, Everton squad at the moment, there are not many players here that tell you that they belong in the Premier League. And I'm just talking about the defence. Michael Keane, Mason Holgate, John Joe Kenny. Are are these players who, who are at Premier League level at the moment? I don't think so. Yes, maybe Pickford, England number one, but He's also susceptible to errors now and then. And you look around the squad, you look at midfield, uh, Allen, who is a great ball winner. But does he have the capability to push on from midfield? Do Corey also mid-tier? So I fear for them genuinely. I do fear for them. You know, are, are this a, Is this a team that will be able to get the required points to stay up? Because you must understand, yes, Richarlison is a good, good player, but he has his on and off days. And Calvert-Lewin hasn't been fit for God knows how long. You know, Can he start scoring again and give Everton the win? I'm really not quite sure. I fear for them, and if you look at them at the table right now, they, they are possibly competing with Leeds, Brentford, uh, Burnley for that last spot because I personally think Watford and Norwich should be the teams to go down. And I think Burnley, you know, on a, any given day, I think they can set their defence up well and they can grind out at least draws. But for Everton, I really can't see that happening. Do you fear the worst for Everton now?
1: I do. I think Lampard is in a difficult position. I think we touched on it when he was appointed. He doesn't have that relegation experience. And it's telling because of the way he's setting up his team, right? Um, I think it's a bit naive to set up the team the way that he did and then get absolutely walloped against the Spurs team who, with all due respect, are Jackal and Hyde. So you don't know what you're going to get with Spurs. But considering you watch the game, you saw for yourself that when they are on song, they are a difficult team to beat. And when you are down at the bottom, your first... Your first prerogative needs to be not to lose the game, that makes sense. Not go out and win the game, but not to lose the game. I think in that way, Lampard can talk a big game, tell his boys to go out and get three points against his first team who are out of sorts at times. But it requires a bit of understanding or maturity to say, we're going to first not lose, and then we build from there. Maybe nick a goal. And I think the sooner Everton realise that, the better. Uh, It's not just... Lampard, who's the problem, I feel the players they brought in, Donny Vanderbeek. You saw it for yourself, um, doesn't exactly cover you in glory in that midfield. And then you look at Delhi Ali when's the last time he showed up for a game. Uh, Calvert Lewin in the race with Cavani for the most injured striker all season long. So it's 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 a plethora of problems. Yes, they have gotten maybe one bright spark from the season. On paper, I take your point that defense does not look like a Premier League defense considering the players you listed up, but as a squad between the four teams, in between seventeen to 20th, I do think Everton have the strongest squad, which might count for something. Watford, Norwich, Gones, I agree with you. But Burnley, on their day, under Sean Dyche, we've seen it time and time again, them surviving by the skin of their teeth. So, can they do it again? I wouldn't put it past them because Burnley have known to be plucky. They can make a result anytime. And if Everton continue this spiral, as much as I said, winning is contagious, so is losing. So, it might become a bigger issue if Lampard doesn't get one or two results. And I'm not talking about wins. Some encouraging draws to build a platform and then go from there. Because no. I rather get four or five encouraging draws than one flash in the pan
0: win. You know, you, you talk about Burnley, just wanted to share a nugget of info. I probably shared this with you before. But uh Sean Dice is the only Premier League uh manager I have on my WhatsApp. Uh because I, I met him uh what wow, many years ago when when he was here on a on a trip. Uh, and I have his uh, WhatsApp contact in, in my phone, uh, maybe I should send him a message to wish him well. for, 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 drop, for... Him a,
1: uh, drop him a text to ask him uh, what he thinks about uh, usurping Everton into 17th position.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, like I said, you know, to me, Everton, for, for as a football fan who has watched the Premier League over the years, I cannot fathom uh, Everton dropping into the Championship. I, I'm sure you attest to that as well, because there have always been a club, a, a mid-table club, that's always been around the Premier League. Uh, but that's all for this week's results. Uh, let's now go on to the FPL radar. We'll talk about two players who impressed us in Game Week 28. The final whistle, Fantasy Radar. Right, this is the FPL radar. We'll talk about who impressed us in the past Game Week. Uh, Roushan, I'll go first. Uh, my first player that I would like to bring up is someone we've already talked about on this show and it's Aris James. Uh, I think with Chelsea at the moment, um, they are a club who will be catching up on games uh, because of um, them missing out games, because of their club World Cup commitments and whatsoever. Uh, and I think you've got to target one of their fullbacks. Uh, in the last game, I think it was Saul who started at uh, left wing back. So I think uh, there's going to be rotation on the side. Sometimes it could be Alonso, sometimes it could be uh, Saul, or could even be Kalum hudson on on some occasions. So, I think the right wing-back is the spot to target. But the only issue is that at 6.2 million, Rhys James is uh, a premium to get into your squad. Uh, whether you can move around Trent Alexander-Arnold and have Rhys James at the same time, then I worry for the rest of your team. Uh, so, to me, based on the fact that Chelsea are going to attack a lot down the right-hand side, uh, the fact that Rhys James was involved in the goal and an assist in the past game, I think he's a player to get for all FPL managers.
1: Yeah, I think Rhys James makes sense because of the form and the assured position in that team. For me, I'm going to plumb for uh, Arsenal, I said, because I feel Arsenal, as as we saw over the weekend, when they turn it up, they turn it up and they've got the bit between their teeth at the moment. They've, they've taken over Manchester United into their fourth spot. They have three games in hand, albeit difficult games against uh, Leicester and Liverpool coming up. But I do think... The players are in a good way. We've seen Leicester who nicked the 1-0 win over Leeds but were lucky to do so. So I'm backing uh, Arsenal midfielders to do quite well. Um, I like Saka. I don't think Saka is a mind-blowing choice because I think he's always going to be involved in goals and, and assists. I also like Lacazette, to be fair. And I, I, It's a season where strikers haven't exactly uh made themselves an automatic pick. I think only Harry Kane in recent time makes himself an automatic pick, but... Lacazette links up that play so, so well. And I think that's why they shipped Aubameyang off because Aubameyang is more of a goal scorer than linking up play as opposed to Lacazette who now has the armband and plays for the team, brings in the the three players behind him, i.e. Smith-Rowe, Odegaard and uh, Saka. So, for me, Saka seems to be the obvious choice. But if you're looking for something left field, Lacazette, why not?
0: All right. uh, The second player that I would like to talk about is actually a Spurs player. Uh, And I'm sure many people already have Harry Kane in their teams. So I'm going to go for another attacking asset uh, in the form of Kulusevsky. Um, I actually did think of Doherty, but I think you mentioned him a few, few weeks back on the show. Uh, I think he's been fantastic as well at 4.7 million, but uh, I'll focus on Kulusevski for this week. Uh, he had two assists in the game against Everton, and I know Everton were there for the taking, but the fact that United, uh, uh, Spurs have United and Brighton in the upcoming game week, uh, and the fact that they're one of the few teams that play in game week 30 as well, I think we've got to target a Spurs player at the moment. Um and Son Heung-min, I think is a fantastic player to have, but he's expensive. Uh, Kulusevsky is only at 6.1 million. So, I-, I think a bargain there. I think he's got involved in goals as well. He's got two goals for Spurs already. Uh, So, yeah, why not Kulusevsky in your team?
1: Yeah, uh, good choice. I'm also going to pick for a midfielder, and mine's going to be a Newcastle midfielder because he's caught the eye, not just with the goal over the weekend, but I think overall, He's coming to play a lot more under Eddie Howe, being uh, Eddie Howe's former people at Bournemouth. I think Ryan Fraser, for me, seems to be an interesting choice, especially with Newcastle having a double game week. Of course, against Chelsea, you don't expect Newcastle to do anything, but hey, Newcastle are a team in good form. Maybe they make a draw at Stamford Bridge. But for me, Ryan Fraser... Is a good option. I'm considering it, especially because I want to freshen things up in my midfield. I have uh, Ilanga sitting in there who I might eventually want to move on. I think there's a worry over Jared Bowen as well. So perhaps injury worry over Jared Bowen, that is. So maybe Ryan Fraser, who I assume will
0: finish the season quite strongly. All right, Raushan, let's now move on to the upcoming game week 29. Right, this is Who's Next, where we look ahead to matches in the Premier League whilst also picking out some FPL assets to consider. For the forthcoming campaign, LifeNow will offer single-match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for football fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view passes for one fixture per match week.
1: And the season is approaching its business end, which means we are going into the final stretch and we are running out of Premier League match days very soon, which is not a bad thing for Manchester United fans. But anyway, that means we'll run out of these free games soon as well. So don't forget to go to our Instagram or Facebook page at TheFinalWhistle to find out how you can win three free Premier League match passes each week for yourself. This week's Live Now featured match of the week is Arsenal
0: against Leicester City. Wow, what a game, Raushan, uh, to have as a Live Now featured game. Arsenal who are flying while Leicester City... uh did not play too well against Leeds tonight. I thought they were fortunate to get all three points, uh, but they at least got a win. Um, I think Arsenal, as the games go by, they will be wanting to solidify that fourth spot, uh, which is looking good for them at the moment. Uh, to me, I see this going one way, uh, but what I want to talk about uh, for this game is actually how Arsenal have been playing. I think you mentioned as well, uh, I, I wasn't able to watch the Arsenal-Watford match, but I, of course, caught up with the highlights and wow, what fantastic goals Arsenal scored. Team goals, I would say. I think even... Uh, one of the goals where Ateta quickly took the ball off uh, when the ball went out of play and threw it back to, to Arsenal to get the throw, says a lot about them. He, he's a manager hungry for his team to you know, be quick on the transition, score good goals and you know involve the team in that manner. Uh, I think they've relied less on Tierney from the left-hand side and really involved uh, the, the whole team because I thought earlier on in the season they relied a lot on, on the left-hand side for their gameplay. Uh, but right now with Saka and Odegaard leaning more towards the right, I think they've got really good goals to come from their team. Uh, and I think from an FPL perspective as well, Arsenal players are the ones to, to, to target at the moment. Uh, to me, I think I see this being a convincing win for Arsenal as much as I, I do not want it to be, because uh, look, I, I, as much as I've given up hope of United being in the, in the top four reckoning, it's the hope they kills, right? And I, and I still am hoping the Arsenal will drop points, but I don't think it will be this week. To me, a comfortable 3-1 win for, for Arsenal in this picture. Yeah, I can't
1: follow you there. Leicester have been... I mean, I know they got a result over the past weekend, but they've been fairly dire all season long. So, this seems straightforward enough for, for Arsenal to get the job done. Uh, I think Arsenal are in good, Nick. You talk about the manager being involved in getting the ball quickly back together. I think it speaks volumes of the direction the club are moving in. And I think results like this weekend, I do expect them to beat. Leicester will be important in that project, that reboot that Arsenal have set in place with Ateta and the younger players. I think... They will finish top four and this weekend, they will solidify it with a win against Leicester. Uh, any score
0: predictions? I say two then to the All right. Alright, uh, the other matches this game is of course Brighton-Liverpool at 8.30 on Saturday. Uh, Brentford-Burnley uh, and then of course United play Spurs a big game for both sides. Uh, one to get back into the top four race. Uh, Spurs will be of course looking for all three points after that big, big victory against Everton. Uh, on Sunday, Chelsea played Newcastle. Uh, Everton play Wolves, Leeds, Norwich, uh, Southampton take on Watford, West Ham, Aston Villa, uh, and then the game week ends with uh, Crystal Palace and Manchester City before the double game week fixtures get underway. Um, I would love to preview the other games, but I want to focus on the teams having a double game week, uh, which is of course Brighton, Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, Everton and Newcastle. Uh, Roshan, we talked about Arsenal a lot uh, and the fact that you know these are the players that are to target. But with a game against Liverpool, would the attacking assets be ones that you consider? Or have you seen chinks in the Liverpool armour? Because I thought West Ham were also a bit unfortunate not to get at least a point from the game.
1: No, I have seen chinks in uh, Liverpool's armour. I mean, attacking-wise, they, they are probably second to none in the league. So that's always going to get them the win eventually. But defensively, hey... I saw this incident where there was a long ball played in, Van Dijk misjudged his header, Bowen ran through, and then Robertson came in to cover his uh, centre-back. So, if Arsenal, as their attacking players do, can bomb forward with confidence, with good link-up play, I do think Liverpool might be susceptible. And having said that as well, Arsenal need a result against Liverpool. As much as Liverpool need a result to stay alive in the title race, so it's going to be a tasty, tasty fixture to look forward to for the neutral. From my field perspective, I would still back my Arsenal attackers to get some sort of return, maybe Ooh, all my three points. Arsenal
0: attackers, la. <laughs> See, I'm,
1: I, I told you, I'm a <laughs> change man as the season goes on. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting to see how Arsenal can. I think to start with, they need a result against Leicester. A good result against Leicester to put them in a good mental space going into that big game against Liverpool. And I think your point as much as Arsenal look a shoe in for fourth. If they do drop points here or there. That might open up the race, not just for Man United, but for Tottenham as well and West Ham as well,
0: possibly based on points. So you never know. Uh, I'm going to give my hot take of the week. Uh, Arsenal will win Liverpool this uh, in this double game week. Uh, I think that in the in the previous game, I think the first half Arsenal did match Liverpool before uh, Arteta decided to be a somebody and you know mess with your Klopp club and get the whole Anfield riled up. This is at Emirates, of course. I tell you what, I I think this is going to be a shock. I think Arsenal will win this game and win it convincingly against Liverpool. Wow, wow.
1: Hot take indeed. I, I I can't have so much gumption as you. I'm I'm going to think Liverpool will win, but I think there's going to be a high-scoring midweek game, maybe a 3-2 to Liverpool.
0: Alright, Uh, the last segment, of course, is Captain or Captain. Uh, I'll go first because to me, I think this is a very, very straightforward decision. Hey, uh, no, I want to go first. No, go ahead. <laughs> I think you've got to, uh, to back uh, either a Spurs or, or an Arsenal player. And because I do not have a, a Arsenal attacker in the team at the moment, I'll have to go with Harry Kane. Uh, I think he's been looking sharp in recent weeks. Um, that second goal against Everton, that first-time take from the volley uh, after Doherty pass, I loved it. And that's trademark Harry Kane, who's uh, flying with confidence at the moment and against a Manchester United team, uh, looking to concede as many goals as possible as they can. Uh, I think Harry, Harry Kane is primed for a, a very, very good haul. I'm going to slap the captain Amben on him and keep it there.
1: Yeah, absolutely makes sense because uh, Harry King has shown that he likes to perform in big games this year. I don't know whether to put himself in the window to show what he's got or just... The player that he is and against a porous United team and coming up against Brighton who look fairly out of sorts, I think Kane is a very good option. You've stolen my options there, so I'm going to have to go. You know what? My hot take of the week, I think double game weeks are overrated. What? I, I I really think basing your whole transfer strategy uh, on a double game week leaves you in a difficult spot. Look at some of the top scorers over the past weekend. They've all been yeah. from uh, single game weeks. I, I think had-
0: I had uh Armando Broja as my yeah. captain because simply because he had a double game week, right? And I thought both Jay Adams coaches... for me, so uh yeah. didn't work but, out, right? But in the end it was my vice captain who's got the most points in my team, actually, Mares.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh apart from that, Kevin Dubroina got a whole bunch of points. Uh, you look at Ivan Tony, he went out and scored a hat trick. So for those who stuck with Ivan Tony throughout the season, it was your moment to shine. Well done. For me, captain pick. Since you've gone for the double game week option, I'm going to go for the Single game week option at least, or I'm gonna go for Liverpool because I, I take it back. I'm not going for a single game week option, I'm going for a double game week option. Uh, I think Mo Salah for me. Um, Liverpool against Brighton, prime time Saturday. Looks prime for Mo Salah to get back some goal scoring form. He he he's done well since he came back from Fcon, but he hasn't exactly lit it up like he did in the first part of the season. I do expect him to find that mojo soon. Um, I do acknowledge that Liverpool have a midweek game in the Champions League coming up but I fully expect uh, Liverpool to win both those games as I alluded to earlier against Brighton and Arsenal so I'm going to go for a Liverpool asset and there'll be more Salah. Uh,
0: just before we end off, I thought I have to share this uh, info uh, with some of our listeners here. Uh, in one of the FPL uh, leagues that I'm in, I'm, I've been chasing uh, our good friend Nitin Nambiar uh, who's of course top of the league and if you think that um, it's hard enough making choices, I think Nitin uh, had a tough choice, you know, putting in players who had double gimmicks and he left out almost all his single gameweek players and his bench now consists of these three players. Uh, just listen up. Harry Kane, who had 13 points, Alexander Arnold, who had 12 points, and Saka, who had 12 points. All sitting on his bench. <laughs> Ah, Nitin, if you are listening or if one of uh, his friends are listening, uh, please uh, stay strong with him. Uh, keep him in your prayers. Uh, this, this as, a,
1: as a Spurs fan, to have left Harry Kane on the bench, Nitin, you've <laughs> got some questions to answer. But I understand the Saka choice, but to leave Kane on your bench,
0: disappointing. But, but I guess it opens a, a form of a door for me to try to catch him, although I'm still quite far away. Speaking uh, of
1: doors opening, uh, you want to try trivia one last time? Oh, yes. The, the three teams that finish that have the most number of under-21 scorers. Arsenal lead the way. Uh, now, this season, you've got Chelsea, you've got United. One more team left. Don't Google all.
0: Hey, Chelsea, United, and I'm going to go for Everton. Nope. I give up.
1: Leeds United in 1998-1999. Oh, wow. Even I was oh wow, and that's why.
0: I don't I don't even know who these players might be.
1: I will look it up and talk to you offline about it because I don't know any either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, on that note, uh, thank you Roshan for joining me on the episode and I hope everybody has a good game week ahead and uh, happy watching your teams uh, unless you're a United fan of
1: <laughs> Cheers guys, get involved in the conversation. Tag us on Instagram, Twitter. We look forward to it. Speak to you soon.